Today was a special day in the life of the plant. It is four years ago that we ended up in Mawa. Matter of fact, five years ago on this very Sunday, Cornerstone Christian Church had sent out a small group of people, a little tribe called Quest. Remember that? Anyone remember that band? Tribe called Quest. Thank you, Omar. Come on, guys. No one's hip in here. Tribe called Quest. Remember that band? All right. There you go. Thank you, Joe. There's like two so, hip-hop people here, bro. There's two hip-hop people Me here? and you. All right. And somebody. Who do I'm, not too hip-hop, I'm not too hip-hop, though. I'm not too hip-hop. But Cornerstone, five years ago, sent out a little tribe of people. And for that year, we were trying to figure out what is God doing? Where is God leading us? And one day, I'll never forget, I, was, I knew we were, were not going to be in Allendale. And we, I was driving through Waldwick going to, um, I guess you call it work what I do. It's kind of like my lifestyle. It's more than a, than a job. And I was, anyone know Waldwick, the 7-Eleven? 7-Eleven in Waldwick, right? Get a good old Slurpee there. So I'm driving by Waldwick and I said, God, you're going to give us a place and we're going to meet there and I'm going to pull a Moses like I've never pulled before. I said, I'm going to go to every school in this county and the one school that you let us in, that's where you're planting us. And I'm like, Sorry, God, I didn't mean to say it like that. And then I kind of drove, and I started going to every school. Ramsey, Waldwick, Allendale, Mawa. And literally, when I called Mawa, the one school, I was like, there's no way. There's no way. What do they do? In three weeks, they open a school. We've been here ever since. We have an amazing relationship with not only this school. um, We do outreaches to the teachers. We minister to the teachers. Um, We have built an amazing relationship with the district and even more importantly with the community of Mawa. And so this morning, as we're going into summer, oftentimes this this June, last Sunday in June, churches are kind of stopping and slowing down and we just said, no way, we're going for it. God's got more and more. So let's, let's wrap up this school year by celebrating what God is going to do. And so that's what the challenge is going to be this morning. So I want to pray as we go into our song of meditation. Let's pray together. Jesus, it is a privilege to be here. God, it's been a a long, strange trip. And in that, your hand is upon everything. I thank you, Lord, that as I look around the room, I see people that, that were never even a part of us, never knew their names, never knew their faces. And then I see the group of people that were with us, that small tribe that we have stuck through what you've called us. We have weathered the storms. Jesus, you have been in that boat with us. And God, just like that last song that we sang, it's all about you. Jesus, where would we be without your love? We would still be in the darkness. It's your love. It's your love that calls us to go forward in what you have in store. So this morning, Jesus, before we go into the Word, I ask you that our hearts would be ready, would be being prepared, that our hearts would be being cultivated for what you want to speak into us. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. We are Lauren and John Rutkowski, um, and we have two little ones, Jonah and Adeline, probably seen running around like crazy. <laughs> um, we live in Waldwick. We came to the plant very shortly after moving here from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, 
um, actually found out about the plant online. I think a couple of things, the, the missional community aspect was really important for us because moving to an area where we didn't have any family, it was big uh, for us to have a support network to be able to get plugged into the community to, to find out what the needs of the community were, to have kind of the friends that, that formed the family that we otherwise didn't have, and so that was a big part of it. Um, one of the things that I would say that I, I love the most about the plant is how they have <clears throat> taken the emphasis away from church as a building and turned it back to church as the people because that's what allows you to focus on the gospel message which really is about loving your neighbor um, and being able to serve them in whatever uh, way possible. In regards to um, the love that we've experienced here, I think that um, when we moved here from Pittsburgh, it was um, going to be a big change. Pittsburgh was home to us. That's where family was. Um, it's where all of our friends are. And so coming and you worry about where home will be, will it feel like home, what will it look like? And it was just an immediate connection that we made. I think right away we felt like people reached out to us, um, felt very welcomed. And learning that love is not just um, a word, it's an action, and people step out and share their time, share their lives, share their families. That kind of comes in with the missional communities as well and just um, coming together and um, I don't know, I think everybody's been very just open and you see the, when you talk about the mission of um, knowing Jesus and making him known, I think that that's something that you see just in, in the desire to outreach and I again love on people. My name is Patrick Stanley, and I have a wife, Jillian, and we live in Hawthorne right now, but we are moving to Mawa, and we are expecting our first child in September. We came to the plant after we've been praying for a place to grow uh, and mature spiritually, and one of the things that stood out to us right away is just how much people actually took an interest in us and cared about us. The plant has definitely impacted me uh, in many ways, uh, one of them uh, with truth. I live most of my life out of fear and with that trying to control things and make them happen all by myself so to live a life of faith and prayer was something that's been very hard for me to grow with um, even though other things in my life had changed for the better it was still a, a big area of weakness one of the truths that I've learned about Jesus and the gospel uh, through my time at the plant has been that he is faithful and I can trust him. So slowly I've felt that the fear and control in my life has started to get taken away and replaced with, with an urgency to pray and a belief that that prayer would be heard and, and will be answered. Through this and through the increased uh, prayer life and, and belief that you know, Jesus is present, I feel like I've become a stronger uh, man and leader to my beautiful wife. And I feel all of this has just continued to prepare me to be a father and continue to face whatever challenges are coming. Hi, I'm Melissa Ritter. I have two sons, 
Austin, age 11, Shane, age 9, we live in Mawa. A couple of years ago, Hurricane Irene came through our neighborhood and destroyed a lot of, a lot of our homes. And during that time, the plant was, was there to help everybody to dig out of their basements. And that was my first real um, introduction to the plant and people that go here. Around the same time, my parents started attending church, and they kept telling me how I needed to try it, needed to try it. Eventually, we did, and I'm so glad that we did. It's, it's become an extended family. Um, we've joined the missional communities and the, the children as well. We've been out together in the community, helping people out when they need help. Everybody's always there for us when we need things. You know, we all have struggles in life, and now it, it feels like we just have, we have a bigger family to help us out of all of that. It's been a wonderful, wonderful experience. Thank you. So here's, here's what I want you to do. Open your Bibles to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. If you have a church Bible, a seat Bible, please turn to page 639. Here's what I want to talk about this morning. As I look back on the life of the plants, our tagline says who we believe that God has called us to be. We say that we are a community cultivating the love, the truth, and the compassion of Christ. We do this, we see the love of, of, of Christ in the relationships we have with one another. We see the truth of Christ that is found in the Holy Scriptures. And lastly, we live out the compassion of Christ to first and foremost our community and then second, we do that globally. And as I look back on these four years of what's been going on in Mawa, I feel it fit that one of oftentimes what churches have said is that they, they say who they are. They say, this is who we are. And one of the dangers that I think oftentimes a lot of churches do is that they tell people who they are rather than they begin to figure out who God has called them to be. Do you hear that? Churches say, this is who we are, rather than saying, this is who God has called us to be. And so this morning we celebrate four years here in Mawa. But I really believe that we are just beginning. I believe that what God is doing in our church is not that we've arrived, that we're there, that it's happening. I think that we've just made one giant step to what God has in store for us. And so instead of sitting here and giving us all this excitement and accolades, I want us to stop and always always see what Jesus has called us to be. Because that's the truth that we hold on to. The truth that we hold on to is found in Christ. Not even in the church. Because the, Christ, the church only lives out Christ's mission. And so as we stop this morning, as we celebrate what God has done and what He's going to do, let's see the life of Jesus so that we can turn around and mimic everything that he's doing. So let's pray, let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for this morning. And God, that's, I'm very excited. I also confess I have just, my emotions are all over the place. It's been an amazing journey. And as I think about where we're going and what you have in store, I realize every day how scary faith is. How scary it is every single day to put our trust and our hope in You. But Jesus, You are our Savior. 
You are our sanctifier. You are our healer. And God, we are here because you are our coming king. And so I ask this morning that, that your word would speak. That I would hide behind your message. And that you would show us where you have us to go. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. So do you have your Bibles open? John chapter 4. Let me give you a little bit of uh, background before we dive into this passage. For the past year, we've been studying the gospel of what? Mark. We've seen amazing things happen in the gospels. We've seen amazing things happen in our church. We've seen amazing things happen in our community. But when I think about the three things, love, truth, and compassion, all wrapped up in one passage, I see it in the very beginning of John. Jesus just started his ministry. He was just baptized. He just began calling the disciples. And now they're journeying together to make the kingdom of God amongst the people of this earth. So let's read. John chapter 4, verse 4. Let's begin there. He, being Jesus, had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to a Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please, give me a drink. He was alone at the time, because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. Stop here. Put your finger on the page. Here's the situation. As Jesus had called his disciples, he had always taken his disciples on a journey. Very rarely did Jesus stay in a place for a period of time. He moved from place to place. And every place that he went, he had huge gatherings of people. And you remember in the, in the book of Mark how I always said that, that Jesus always went from Jewish territory to Samaritan territory, and he kept going back and forth, back and forth. You see, in Jewish territory, Jesus would have been welcomed. He would have been identified as a prophet, as a good teacher. That was one of the names that was given him. Good teacher, a prophet, one like Moses, one like Jonah, one like Elijah. And so whenever the Jewish people heard Jesus, they welcomed him. But whenever they saw his miraculous acts, they were wowed. And when they saw the power and presence of God in Jesus, they began thinking, is this the chosen one? Now the easiest thing for Jesus to do would be to stay in Jewish territory. Because we know in Scripture that Jesus first came for the Jewish people. He came to fulfill the law. But it says that God so loves the world that He gave His one and only Son. And so Jesus, in His calling, in His mission, did not only speak to the Jewish people. And so He would go to Samaritan territory. This is the first account that Jesus went into unwelcomed neighborhoods. Now listen to that. Jesus went into unwelcomed neighborhoods. And what's very interesting about this is that Jesus sent his disciples into the village of Sychar, but he stayed 
near the well. He was tired. He was exhausted. And he made sure that these men went into the village to get food and supplies that their journey can continue. And as he's sitting there, and as he's resting, he has no form to get a drink. He's at a very famous well, the well of Jacob. But there's no way for him to retrieve the water. And out of nowhere, around noontime, a woman had come by herself, and she had shown up. And while he meets her, he asks her, Woman, can you please give me a drink? Now, two things we're going to see in a minute. First, is that Jesus should have never been talking to this woman. For two reasons. One, she's a Samaritan. Jews and Samaritans don't mix. But two, this woman, this was a woman. And Jewish men were never found alone with any woman but their wife. But Jesus was crossing boundaries. And when I begin to read John chapter 4, the first thing that I see about Christ is that His love crosses all boundaries. His love is not limited. We are about to see that His love is not just caught into boundaries or that it's limited, but for some bizarre reason, Jesus loves the unlovable. I mean, think about that. How many times in our life, at some place, at some moment, at some point of crossroads, have we said to ourselves, there is no way that God can love me. God knows my heart. God sees my junk. He sees my failure. He sees all the things that I think and actually want to act out on. But for some reason, I don't. And the one thing that we will always see about Jesus is that Jesus defines love. He is love encapsulated. He is love bound all in one. And I love this because oftentimes when we think about religion, when we think about faith, when we think about church, we think about having to have it all together, having to be perfect, having to have some form of self-esteem. When I have esteem, then I can step in. But here's the beauty of this. For every person who will not step into a church, Jesus will step into their lives. He will always, always figure out a way to step into our present situations. Let's continue. The woman was surprised. For Jews refuse to have anything to do with Samaritans. Okay? Let's look at that historical background. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? 
And Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? And Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them and giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here to get water. You see, there's a reason why this woman was by herself. No matter what culture you are in, whether it be a Jewish culture, a Samaritan culture, whatever culture you were in, women traveled together. Because when it was time to do chores, women did it together because it was their form of community. They cared for one another. They talked through things with one another. They were there to talk about their husbands, good, bad, and indifferent. But there was a reason why this woman was alone. Matter of fact, she had come at a time before the other women were going to show up. You see, women wouldn't go to the well in the heat of the day. Why? Because they would be this hot. It'd be like being trapped in the cafetorium of Ramapo Ridge. And in that, she was all alone. Something had caused her to be in a place of isolation. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. And this is when all her stuff comes out. For you have had five husbands... Everyone go, ooh. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with. <gasps> you certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped? And Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship. While we Jews know all about Him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed, it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship Him must worship the spirit and 
in truth. And the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. The one who is called Christ. When He comes, He will explain everything to us. And Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. You see, truth is something we don't like to talk about. Matter of fact, being a new church, one of the things that everyone constantly asks me is, do you really believe that Jesus is the only way? Do you actually believe that there's a heaven and hell? What do you think about sin? You see, I love this passage because Jesus confronts this woman in love. You see, oftentimes when people are living lives that are destructive, they find excuses to continue that pattern. And that pattern continues and continues and continues and continues. And for this woman, that happened. She was married once, something happened, she got divorced. We don't know if it was her fault or his fault. But again, she got married again. And as she was there, something else happened. And they got divorced again. And there was this pattern. Five times this woman was divorced. Now it's very easy for us to say that if she was divorced the first time, probably was her husband's fault. The second time, wow, she probably picked another wrong guy. Third time, you start seeing, is there a pattern? Not to her relationships, but to herself. And for this woman, she had lived in such a place of insanity that now not was she not only married, she was living with another guy, trying to fill this void. And so often, people don't want to hear truth. People want to be enabled to just be patted on the back and say, it's okay, just keep doing what you're doing. But there comes a point in our lives when yes, sin wreaks havoc on our souls. And yes, sin destroys relationships that we have with people. And for this woman, she had found her place in a place of isolation, all alone, empty, looking to find fulfillment. And the only place that for some reason she was told to go is where? To a relationship. But here's what Jesus did. Jesus met her in love and in truth. And he spoke to her in such a prophetic way that she knew, she knew that he was not some ordinary guy, but that he was of God, that he was a prophet. And all of a sudden she starts getting tongue-tied, trying to explain away that, yeah, I know about this guy. Yeah, I understand it. And Jesus says, stop, stop. And one of the last things that Jesus says when she says, the Messiah is coming. And one of the last things that Jesus says, he says, I, I am Him. Truth sets people free. 
When we hear the truth of God, two things happen. Conviction and liberty. We are convicted by, yes, there's something that I've been doing, something that has been blocking me from experiencing all that God has had. And yes, there's even guilt that will fall on us. But in that moment, when it is God's truth, when it is God's liberating power, there is a sense of liberty. That even in my brokenness, even in, in, in view of this woman, even in my five divorces, even in living with this man, I finally have a sense of hope. If you're a follower of Jesus, do you remember that day? Do you remember that day when you were confronted with the truth of Jesus Christ? That you got there and all of a sudden you looked at the truth of His Word. When you heard the truth of His Spirit and you're just like, I am scared to death. I see my brokenness. But I have hope. I remember that day for me. It was in November of 1991. I remember being in my college dorm. I remember feeling this sense of helplessness, of hopelessness. And all of a sudden, I just cried out to Jesus. I'm like, Jesus, I need you. And I say it was the greatest and worst day of my life. It was the worst day because I looked back on my 19 years of life and I saw all of my destructive forms of insanity. All the people I hurt. All the way that I gave up dreams. All the lies. All the chaos that my life was defined at. But I remember sitting on that bed thinking, this is not only the worst day of my life, but it's the greatest day of my life because I finally, in Jesus, have hope. You know what's funny is? I still think back to that moment. That in that moment when I recognized my brokenness, that was the one day that I felt more whole than any day else. Because in my helplessness, Jesus made me whole. Jesus made me whole. It wasn't putting the pieces back together. It wasn't taking the puzzle of my life and spreading them out and trying to me manipulate, okay, which is the centerpiece? Or do I start with the edges? What are the boundaries that I need to live in? It was like stepping into a whole new picture that I have no idea where I'm going. I have no idea what I'm doing. All I know is at this moment, I am whole. And He will figure it out. Verse 27, just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. <gasps> right? He wasn't supposed to be talking to a woman. To women. To a woman. But now, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking with her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come, 
and see a man who told me everything I ever did, could he possibly be the Messiah? Now check this out. This woman ran back to the village that put her in a place of relational isolation. She ran back to the people that hated her, that she was in conflict with, that there was a tension, that there was a barrier that kept everyone away from her. Kids, don't talk to your aunt. She's naughty. No one wanted to be around her. But all of a sudden, they saw something different. So the people came streaming from the village to see him. You see, I look at this passage and the first thing I see is that love, Jesus, breaks all boundaries. All boundaries. Red and yellow, black and white. We are all precious in His sight. It's not red and yellow, black and blue. Jesus loves me more than you. That's not the song the church needs to sing. The church sings red and yellow, black and white. We are all precious in His sight. And I love that how Jesus, for some reason, and it even frustrated the religious leaders. It ticked them off. It ticked off the teachers, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Zealots, even the disciples at time. Why do you always go to the most broken? Because they are the ones who see God clearest. But here's the beauty about Jesus. Is God does not... He speaks to us in truth. And I have all my heart that all truth is found here. I'm not talking about mathematics. I'm not talking about all these different subjects in school. I'm talking about eternal truth is found in here. And in this, when we allow God to look into our souls, His truth is transforming. But here's what happens when a person experiences the love and the truth of Jesus. They manifest Christ to the world around them through His compassion. What did this woman do? This woman did the same thing that Jesus had done to her. She stepped into the most uncomfortable situation that she knew. And the truth that is only found in Jesus Christ. And for some bizarre reason, these people actually probably for the first time in a long time believed her. Believed that she wasn't lying. Believed that she was coming with something of value. She was bringing you to the village. And they all went to go see Him. But you know what happened in that village? In this distant land, this unwelcome territory, <clears throat> many, many, better said most, believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And you know what the most interesting part of this whole story is? Is that the first person that He ever revealed that He was the Messiah, the Chosen One, the Son of God, was to a Samaritan 
adulterous, isolated woman. That's the God I serve. And that's the God that we worship. In our brokenness, our forms of isolation, Jesus is made more perfect than ever. You know, I look back, and I always say the stupidest thing I ever did was bring a small group of people to start a church. I say that all the time. Why 100 or 200 or 300? I mean, we had it at Cornerstone. We had 1,200 people. Why didn't we just take like half the church and, and go start something new and, and let it just explode to like this crazy monster? But there's something in my gut saying, go where I'm at. If you bring too many, they won't come. If you bring the same people, Except for the waters who can't be with us. But they're crazy like us, so. But God is doing something. And our hope is to truly figure out who is Jesus? How do we live out the love, truth, and compassion that is only found in Him? And it begins with showing the love of Christ with our relationships with one another. I think about many journeys and conversations that I've had with people from the plant. And I'll never forget one time, Susie Wilson, we had to gather everyone together and say, another family left. And I'm thinking like, here we go. I'm going to tell everyone someone left and they're all going to leave. And, and Susie Wilson, you know, she's our Elijah. She's our prophet. Comes up and said, so what? It doesn't change what we're doing. Conversations with Matt Wolf, who would always push me and challenge me with, with different things, and I'd be like, okay, I guess, I guess the wolves are leaving. No. He was tightening his grip on what God has called him to. And look at different people, all these people, Omar, who left his job and said, trust me, trust him. Think about my wife and the kids and really figuring this out. Watching daddy fast and lose tons of weight. I think of Rhonda and Mike who, who have come from different backgrounds and for the last four years they have shown up and almost every week have been faithful seeing what God, is this legit? Are we real? And now they're family. I see people finding us and I'm thinking, what the heck are we doing? You see, what we're doing is simply this. We are cultivating. We have not figured it out. But we are cultivating the love of Christ that is found in our relationships with one another. We are studying the truth of Christ that is only found in the Word of God. If people don't like that, that's their deal. I'm sorry. But we don't stop there. We will plow and cultivate Christ by living in the compassion of Christ. 
first locally and then globally. If we can't do it here, then why would we do it anywhere else? And God has put us in a community that has allowed us to do this. Center for Food Action, Mawa Bar and Grill, local communities. And we're not stopping here. You see, this is the perfect time to talk about this because we're going into summer and we're telling you this, don't stop. You just have begun to walk. Let's learn to run together. Let's see God plant plants all over this area. Do you know what we did last year, this very Sunday? We had a, da- a guy named Dave Stradling come down here this la- last year, this time. And we have come alongside Dave Stradling and the Church Awaken up in Westchester County. And we commissioned him to go start, really restart a church up in Westchester. And every week he comes down and, we, and he's, he's crazy. He's crazy. I think we have to minister to him most of the time. But in that, he's there this Sunday planting a church. And this is what we're going to continue to do. We're going to continue to do two things. We're going to be continue to live in missional communities. That's where we live out the love, truth, and compassion. And we're not only going to be doing this in Mawa, but we have one in Midland Park. We have one in Hawthorne. We have one in Pompton Lakes. Do you know that? We have a missional community in Pompton Lakes that no one comes to the plants. We have one person who comes to the plant. He and his family have a missional community in Pompton Lakes. We're going to continue to do all this. But here's what we're going to also do. We're not going to be the church that waits till we're five, six, seven, eight hundred people before we talk about planting other churches. Our denomination, the Christian Missionary Alliance, has said, we trust you. We want you to train guys. And we want you to send them out to help us locate areas that we can plant other plants and other churches. And so you know what? Before we ever began this, I said, God, I would love to begin to start something year five of this church. And so God has brought us a couple. Kurt and Nicole Leininger. Everyone wave to Kurt and Nicole. And because of the district's help, we are able to have Kurt and Nicole work with us on staff for one full year. They're going to work with us for a full year, and there's two things we're going to do. One, we're going to identify one of our missional communities in another town to plant another church. Or two, we're going to continue to partner with the district, the metropolitan district, to see where God wants another church planted. Now here's the goal. The goal is the first. It's not the second. And so God has brought Kurt and Nicole to our church that we can do this. And you know what we're going to continue to do? We're never going to wait to arrive. Okay? I'm not that kind of leader. We will never wait to arrive. We are going to see what God wants to continue to do, and we're going to keep giving ourselves away. But the only way that we can do this is if you're in. If you're in. If you partner with us, if you emotionally partner with us, if you most importantly prayerfully partner with us, if you relationally partner with us, if you in a ministry way partner with us, and if you financially partner with us, 
I have never once done a sermon on finances. But here's what I'm going to say today. God has a huge calling on this tribe. And I'm going to call you a tribe. God has a huge calling on each of our lives. And if we partner together in every aspect of who we are, I promise you in 20 years, we will see multiple, multiple churches planted. And even more importantly, thousands of people coming to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. But if you don't partner with us, it ain't happening. And if you don't partner with us, you know what God's going to do? He's going to bring others to make this happen. Because this is not our church. This is His church. And so today, I'm asking you, relationally, most importantly, prayerfully, in a ministry sense, in a, in, in a, in a, in, in, in a compassion sense, in a financial sense, I'm asking that you would partner with us to see what God wants to do in the next four years. Because here's what I know. In the next four years, your loved ones will be loving Jesus. Because that's what God has called us to. And if you have the love, of, the love and truth of Christ, just like that, village going, that woman going to the village, they're going to see it. And they're going to need it. So there's two things we're going to do this morning. First, it's what God has called us to first. And that's Mawa. We are never going to run ahead of ourselves. We oftentimes do communion by coming up and we partake. And it's our way to partake in saying, Jesus, you're my Lord, you're my Savior. And it's our way to recognize Christ through the bread and through the cup. But today we are called to be Jesus to the community around us. And that community begins where? Mawa. I don't care whether you live in Mawa or not. In these, communion t- in these communion plates, we have every street from a half mile around located here. I want you to take a street name and begin to pray for it. The one thing that you know about, about this church is that we are a church of prayer. We have seen healings, we have seen deliverances, we have seen life change through prayer and prayer alone. If we partner in prayer, God will change this community. He already has. The Pierces, Christy, all these different families that I can just look around and see in Mawa. We need to pray. Pray that God would step in. So during our song of communion, come up and take a name And this is the name that we want you to pray for. Pray that God and His Spirit would make Himself real on that street. And second is this. And we're going to do the second thing first. I want to invite Nicole and Kurt to come forward. Come on forward. Kurt has been a very good friend to me for the last six years. Kurt and I did a year of ministry together. He was one of the few people, I hate to say this, but I'm going to be completely transparent, He was one of the few people in my life that would call me regularly and say, how are you? And I know a lot of people. He was one of the few friends that would step in when life was feeling like it was falling apart. And there's no one else that I would want to partner to see a church planted 
than aligning your family. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to pray over them. We're going to stop. We're going to ask that God's Spirit would be upon them in this year of training, in this year of preparation, what He wants to do here so that we can see what God has next. And so before we go to our, our, our table of communion, I want us to stop and pray. And I want to simply do this. Anyone on our leadership team, please come forward. We're just going to lay hands on them. I think we need to pray for Nicole Moore. Okay? Please pray for Nicole Moore. Because there's only, the only way that they're going to make it through this is if they do this together. So let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for the Leiningers. God, what they are doing, even this week, stepping into the unknown. They are raising money. They are, they are trusting what, what's going on here. They are trusting many. They are trusting you. We ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would just rest on them. That you would empower them and you would send them off. God, we pray for protection over their family. We pray for protection over their hearts. And we pray that today, that this would be their day. That they sense your calling on them more than any other day in their life. That they can step into the unknown, knowing that in the unknown they are made whole. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. And here's what we need to be doing too, is we need to be continuing praying for Dave Stradling. This morning that they are worshiping, and they have a small little tribe called Quest 2 that's up there ministering. Many of them have never heard the gospel for the first time. Many of them have, are stepping into a church that have never heard the truth of Jesus Christ. And so here's what I want to say to you. If you are here and you're saying, I want to partner with you, I want you as Josh and the band go into our song of communion, allow this to be your communion moment. Come up, grab a street, and say, Jesus, I'm committing to see your spirit, your presence, lived out in this community. So I ask you now, come forward.